Hi, welcome to Lambert Park Church. Our vision is life with God for the world. Our mission is to invite everyone to follow Jesus with us through redemptive community, intentional discipleship, and everyday mission. We're so glad you're here. Stay tuned for the podcast coming right up. All right, and uh, now it's my honor to invite up Gary, who has been preaching the last few weeks in a series called Love Mercy, and this week will be his final sermon in the series. Thank you, Aaron. When uh, Pastor Scott extended uh, this amazing invitation to come uh, to be with you three weeks in a row, uh, I was kind of blown away by that. Uh, when I have the privilege of preaching somewhere, it's, it's always, uh, I'm always encouraged um, when I'm invited to come back. Uh, it, it doesn't always happen, but to be invited to come back three times, is, uh, this has been amazing. Uh, Scott asked me at the very beginning uh, if there was a theme I'd like to follow, and as Aaron mentioned, uh, I thought about it. I asked, what about uh, sharing some messages about what it means to love mercy? And the past couple of weeks, uh, we've been uh, more focused on uh, our need to receive mercy from God. We began the new year with this picture of Jesus uh, who proclaimed to his disciples, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus provides this bridge between... Uh, heaven and earth and upon that bridge are traveling God's messengers of grace and mercy as the old hymn declares uh, angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy and whispers of love well last Sunday in the parable of the workers of the vineyard we discovered together that uh, more than justice we need mercy don't we and now this morning I'd like for us to focus on how as recipients of God's mercy, we need to in turn be dispensers of God's mercy. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. There's that verse in Micah, chapter 6, verse 8, the Old Testament prophet. And he says in Micah 6, 8, he, he has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We're going to be looking at the book of Galatians this morning, mostly chapter 5, but I'm also going to refer to a few other passages out of that book. In uh, Galatians, there's a verse in chapter 5, verse 25, that says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Kind of goes along with what Micah talks about when he says we're to walk humbly with our God. Keep in step with the Spirit the Apostle Paul says to the Galatian Christians. There's a question that's intrigued me almost all of my life. And it's the question, what does it mean to walk with God? What does it look like? I've been fascinated by some of the stories in the Old Testament where 
It said that people walked with God. Noah walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Wouldn't it be great if someone said that about you? He walked with God. She walked with God. Be a great thing, I think, to put on your grave marker. What does it mean to walk with God? What did it mean to the people back then? And what does it mean for us today? I'm asking myself, what does it mean in this season of my life? What does it mean to walk with God? When the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians at Galatia, he described a path of spiritual freedom upon which they were to walk. He was telling them that by keeping in step with the Spirit, no matter what the circumstance of life might be, the follower of Christ can experience freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Now, in the middle of the first century, the church was heading toward its first doctrinal crisis. In the early stages of her growth, when the gospel was being preached primarily by Jews to Jews, the church progressed relatively smoothly. But now the church is beginning to expand into Gentile communities. And it's beginning to take root there. And there were these questions arising about a Christian's relationship to the laws of Moses and Judaism as a system. And there, were these, there was this group of people in the church that were insisting that a person had to follow all of the laws of Moses in order to be a Christian. And more specifically, they were insisting that for a Gentile man to become a Christian, he had to be circumcised. And so the Apostle Paul comes along and he says that this legalistic teaching and this practice is so antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ he says that works or adherence to the law, that's bondage, not freedom. He says it's only through the grace of God in Jesus Christ that a person is enabled to escape the curse of sin and of the law and to live a new life, to walk with God in genuine freedom of mind and spirit through the power of God. But these, they were called Judaizers, these promoters of legalism persist in trying to convince the Galatians that walking with God meant rigidly following all the rules. And Paul, never one to mince words, he calls them out on it. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, he says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So again, I ask... Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? 
Now in Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, he kind of picks up on that theme again. He says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Paul was saying, you were walking with God. You, you were on the right path. You were, you were on the right track. You were running a good race, but someone pulled you off that path and, and kind of threw you into the ditch of legalism. And Paul's had it. I mean, he's had it up to here. And specifically in chapter 5, Paul takes on the legalistic people who were promoting circumcision as a requirement for church membership. Guys, you don't want to join that church. <laughs> Certainly don't want to sign up for the men's retreat. <laughs> I, I, I know this is a very sensitive topic, and we, <laughs> we preachers, we kind of dance around it. It's a very delicate topic, but you know what? No one treats it more indelicately than the Apostle Paul. He's so fed up with this legalism that in a burst of sarcasm, he exclaims in Galatians chapter 5, verse 12, he says, as for those agitators, I wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Paul's had it with these people. He's fed up with this legalism because he knows what it does to choke out the life and the joy and the freedom of walking with God. Think about it. Legalism is the enemy of mercy. When we walk with God on the path of freedom, beware that along that pathway is a ditch of legalism. And there might be people that try to push you into it. Paul says, stay out of it. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So, now that we've kind of settled that issue of legalism, now, now what? What do we do with our newfound freedom? I'm free from the law. I'm free from the rules. Does that mean that I get to do anything I want? Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. On the one side of the path of freedom, there's this ditch of legalism. But on the other side of the path of freedom, there's the ditch of license. Some translations of verse 19 of chapter 5 indicate that where you see the word debauchery often. Some translations say licentiousness. When you think you have a license to do anything you want and you use that license to do anything you want, you end up destroying yourself and, and those around you. And Paul says in verse 19, he's basically saying this is Captain Obvious here. He says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I don't need to go into a whole lot of explanation there. The acts of the flesh are 
obvious, he says. They don't lead to freedom. They lead to destruction, the destruction of yourself, the destruction of others. So here's the deal. This is what freedom looks like to the Apostle Paul. He urges the Galatians, on the one hand, not to become slaves to the law. He says, stay out of the ditch of legalism. And he urges them, on the other hand, don't become slaves to your own desires and to your selfish ambitions and passions. Stay out of the ditch of license. But as ironic as it might sound, he then urges the Galatians to be slaves to one another. He says, this is the Christian form of being free, to be slaves to one another. Galatians 5, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. This is what it means to walk with God on the pathway of freedom. Now, there is an element of prescription to it. It's not a legalistic prescription, though. There, there is a design. There is a sense of order to it. A keeping in step with the Spirit is not like walking around like a free-range chicken. It's a prescribed walk. Not, not in a legalistic way, but in keeping in step. Someone described it. It's kind of like a march or or a dance. Now, I don't know much about either one of those things. I've never been in the military. I, I've never learned to march in boot camp. The closest I've been, I think, was one year when I was on the West Coast Trail. We had this guy show up who pretended to be a drill sergeant all week. And he had a bandana around his forehead and an old army canteen dangling from his waist. And first thing in the morning, he'd awaken us from our slumber and he would bark out orders and get the camp in proper shape and he'd line up and check our backpacks. He wasn't, he, by the way, he wasn't invited to go this year. <laughs> We'd be marching along the gravel banks along the, along the beach and, and, and he would get us to try to plant our boots in the footsteps of the person that was walking in front of us, which created some problems because some people have longer legs than others, and it's hard to precisely match the gait of the person in front of you. That's the closest I've been to a military march. And I ask, is that anything like what it means to keep in step with the Spirit? Probably not. I don't know much about dancing either. My experience is pretty much limited to the time when my wife Cheryl and I, we traveled to Puerto Rico a month after I retired from pastoral ministry. I had done some reading and I really wanted to hike the El Junque uh, tropical rainforest. And I told Cheryl that I was going to order an Uber driver to take me there and then I would hike the day and I would be returning in the evening. And, and she said, no, 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 I don't want you out there hiking alone. If you get lost, no one will find you. And she said, I'll check with the person at the front desk at the hotel and I'll see if there are any groups going on the hike. And I said, no, no, I, I don't want to go with a group. I, I want to go by myself. The other people, they might, may not be hiking at the same pace that I want to hike. And uh, she said, well, I'll check it out for you. 
Well, she paid the $85 to the front desk person and that person assured her it would be a guided hike. And uh, the next morning, uh, the cost would also cover my transportation to and from the trailhead. And the front desk person uh, said that I would be receiving an email conf confirmation uh, later that evening. Well, when I got the email confirmation, I had to look twice. It said, El Junque Rainforest Hike and Cultural Dance Class. I asked Cheryl, I said, what, what, what did you sign me up for? Well, the next morning, eight of us formed a group. There were five women in their 20s and 30s from various parts in the States. And there was a retired couple from North Carolina and me. And shortly after we started the hike, uh, the guide stopped and uh, tore a couple of leaves off of what looked like a big banana tree and then kind of fashioned this kind of funny looking hat out of these banana leaves and then proclaimed that from our group we needed to appoint a king of the El Junque rainforest. Well, when this happened, I'd been retired for one month. I was not seeking a leadership role. And, <laughs> So I immediately pointed to the retired guy from North Carolina, but he would have nothing to do with this. And so under strong protest, this dubious honor fell on my shoulders and she kind of had a crowning ceremony and put that banana leaf crown on my head and gave me a scepter. Little did I know at that time what it would lead to. And so after the hike, we traveled together to this town called Louisa and Louisa is the birthplace of the bomba dance and the bomba beat. We pulled into this little community center and a little band was assembled there. And a couple of dancers had very colorful costumes. They explained that there were 17 official variations of the bomba beat. And they would demonstrate for us the three most popular variations of the bomba beat. Now the unique feature of the bomba dance is that there are two drummers, one who sets the underlying beat and the other who follows the movements of the dancer. And their at their demonstration after it, they explained that it was now time for the king of the rainforest to dance. <laughs> I explained to them I did not want to be the king of the rainforest anymore. I told them I was not a dancer. I disclosed to them I had no rhythm in my bones and the chants started from those 20 to 30 year old girls. <laughs> Gary, Gary, Gary. One of the young dancers, he had pity on me. He says, I'll, I'll start you out. Just, just, just copy my moves. And the music started, and he started to dance, and I tried my best to copy him, but after about 15 seconds or so, he left the stage and <laughs> left me hanging. And suddenly I realized that if I stopped dancing, the drummer 
who was supposed to follow the movements of the dancer, would stop drumming, and so I knew I had to keep going. And so I started to throw in everything I could think of, you know, a, a couple moves from the hokey pokey, a little bit of Macarena. Um, my grandson, five-year-old grandson had sent me a video of some of the footwork he was doing in his soccer practice drills, and it's about all I can think of. You, you, you could say I was literally dancing to the beat of a different drummer, but in reality, the drummer was beating to the steps of a different dancer. And at the end of the day, I have to tell you, there are now 18 official variations of the Bomba beat. Now, you might be asking yourself the question, where in the world is he taking us? And I get your concern. So let's try to, let's try to make some sense of it. When I said a while back that keeping in step with the Spirit is a prescribed walk, not, not in a legalistic way, but keeping in step, it's like a march or a dance. I have to say that a march of military precision, I, I think of those images of those goose-stepping soldiers of North Korea. You know, that kind of march where where every individual is rigidly making the same exact movements. That's not the kind of march that displays what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. Because the Spirit gives different gifts to different people, different giftings for different callings. But every part needs to be working in coordination with all the other parts. And the only way that for that to happen is that every person needs to be connected to the head who is Christ. We listen for the drumbeat of the Spirit. And in a beautifully choreographed way, I think it's more like, like a marching university band, you know, at a parade or, or perhaps at the halftime of a football game where everybody is playing different instruments and sometimes even marching in different directions, but in a completely coordinated way, playing different notes, but playing the same tune. That's the kind of march that describes for me what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. And the dance part. Folks, keeping in step with the Spirit, it's no bomba dance. You don't get to improvise and go your own way and do your own thing. It's not the role of the drummer to follow you. You follow the drumbeat of the Spirit of God. You don't do what's right in your own eyes. You don't lean on your own understanding. You don't, as they say these days, you don't do your own research, and, which often can mean I'm going to form my own opinion and then look on the Internet for validation and support for that opinion. You can do that. It's easy. You can find proof for pretty well anything on the Internet. But in the end, if you're still going your own way, doing your own thing, you'll be lost. 
So there you have it. Two very bad illustrations to prove a very good point. When we keep in step with the Spirit, the striving with the law is gone. The striving with our own selfish ambitions and passions is gone. And the goodness of God flows out of us. Notice the contrast in the language in verse 19 and verse 22. There's this contrast between the acts of the sinful nature or what some translations call the works of the flesh. That's contrasted with the fruit of the Spirit. The acts of the sinful nature and the works of the flesh, those are the things that we do in our own striving and things that we create on our own. But the fruit of the Spirit, on the other hand, it suggests that it's a product. It's a product of the Spirit of God made possible when we, when we surrender our lives and our passions and our ambitions to God. When we experience His grace and His goodness, His fruit comes flowing out of us all of it, like a, like a cluster of grapes with, with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. I love the very next chapter in Galatians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul describes this beautiful scenario of what happens when people are keeping in step with the Spirit, when the mercy of God is flowing through them. Galatians 6, 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Fruit of the Spirit, gentleness. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. Fruit of the Spirit, kindness. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks you are, they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Self-control. They can take pride in themselves alone when, without comparing themselves to somebody else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Fruit of the Spirit, patience. Therefore, he says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Fruit of the Spirit, goodness especially to those who belong to the family of believers. When I was looking in one of the commentaries uh, that was explaining this passage of Scripture, I, I came across a quote from John Stott, wonderful preacher of a previous generation. And there was this quote, and this quote from John Stott really captivated me. Listen to this. He said, if we walked with the Spirit, we would love one another more. And if we loved one another more, 
we would bear one another's burdens. And if we bore one another's burdens, we would not shrink from seeking to restore a brother who has fallen into sin. Further, if we obeyed this apostolic instruction as we should, much unkind gossip would be avoided, more serious backsliding prevented, the good of the church advanced, and the name of Christ glorified. You want me to read that again? Let me read it again for you. If we walked with the Spirit, we would love one another more. And if we loved one another more, we would bear one another's burdens. And if we bore one another's burdens, we would not shrink from seeking to restore a brother who has fallen into sin. Further, if we obeyed this apostolic instruction as we should, much unkind gossip would be avoided, more serious backsliding prevented, the good of the church advanced, and the name of Christ glorified. I, I want that, don't you? I see that in this congregation. I'd like to invite Simon and the worship team to come up to the platform. You know, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So the Apostle Paul says, Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Do not use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Be a slave to one another. Serve one another. Because that's what it means to walk in freedom. That's what it means to walk humbly with your God. That's what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's grace. And there's mercy. So, Father, may we, we be resolved this morning to keep in step with your spirit. Help us to act justly, to do justice. But, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and give us an increased capacity to love mercy. And by your spirit, we pray that you would empower us to walk humbly with you, our God. Amen.